two different It's also the birthday of the Bashanto. Wow. Right? And it's also the day that Achia Shilani was what? a prophet. His name was Achia Shilani. He was a prophet from the times of the kings. Right before the times of the kings. Yeah, the times of the kings who revealed himself to the Vashem Tov on Chayelo and actually learned Torah with the Vashem Tov for 10 years. This is what the Vashem Tov told us. Wow. They learned Torah with Achia Shirani for 10 years and Achia Shirani told, taught him the entire Torah and all the secrets of the Torah and then convinced the, the Vashem Tov to reveal himself after these, after these 10 years. So those three things um, happen today. So it's a big day. Is, is, should I turn it on? Oh, okay. I want to talk a little bit about that. Um, which parts we talk about? Let's talk a little bit about Hasidus, right? It's the day that Hashem decided to put the two souls in the world that really gave us Hasidus, right? That gave us Hasidus. General Hasidus and Chabad Hasidus is on Yud Ches Elul, the 18th of Elul. So, when you think about the word... When you think about Hasidus and the concept and the movement and the, I guess you can say, ideology of Hasidus, what word would you say comes to mind? Simcha. Simcha. Rebbe. What would you say? Life. <laughs> Life. Okay. Knowledge. Knowledge. Okay. So, I was just learning, I was reading a fragment of the Rebbe on Chayelo, where the, the Rebbe says that Babel's Hasidus is love, right? And when we say love, what do we mean? We mean love of Hashem, love of the Torah, and love of the Jewish people. Hasidus comes and shows us that these are not three distinct things, but it's all one love. They're all one. That the Torah, the Jewish people, and Hashem are all one. And the Rabbim told us that the Baal Shem Tov, what was the revolution of the Baal Shem Tov? That he taught us that every single Jew must have a relationship with Hashem, must serve Hashem. That's what they said, that every single Jew must serve Hashem, which was not the common uh, perspective of the time. People believed that there were, the, there were the higher scholars that needed to serve Hashem. And then there were the simple people who basically... We, they had lost hope in, I guess you can say. They left them to their own devices. And the Baal Shem Tov came along and said, no, 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 every single Jew needs to serve Hashem. And then the Alter Rebbe came along and said, every single Jew needs to serve Hashem, and this is how every single Jew can serve Hashem. So Alter Rebbe came along and said, not only that it's imperative to do so, but gave us a method that every single Jew can come and serve Hashem. And then the Rabbeim asked the question, didn't Moshe Rabbeinu tell us that every single Jew needs to serve Hashem? What does it mean that the Baal Shem Tov came along and said every single Jew needs to serve Hashem? Don't we know this already? And the answer is that, what do you mean when the Baal Shem Tov says that every single Jew needs to serve Hashem? He needs to serve Hashem what's called Bepnimius, internally. That every single Jew needs to have a personal relationship with Hashem in his service of Hashem. And then the altar came along and said, yeah, every single Jew needs to have a personal relationship with Hashem. And this is how you can do it. And the altar we gave us methods, right? It gave us the Tanya. He said, and this is accessible to every single one of us. The quote we said yesterday, that this thing is very close to you, to have a personal relationship with Hashem. 
And Boshem Tov and the Altarev, they spoke to everybody. They spoke to every single Jew. And it was characterized by this concept of love. Love is an emotion that we need to serve Hashem, not only as servants, but as sons, as we've discussed before, and, and with love. And as we said at the beginning, love of Torah, love of Hashem, and love of the Jewish people. The Hasidim once came to the Altar Rebbe, and they asked the Altar Rebbe, what's more important, love of Hashem or love of your fellow Jew? Avat Hashem or Avat Yisrael? What do you think he said? I think that love of God encompasses loving your fellow Jew. Yes. <laughs> and loving your fellow Jew. Exactly, exactly. Ah, okay. So, <laughs> right, one, one includes the other. The Altar Rebbe answered, Love of your fellow Jew is more important. Why? Because if you love God and God loves the Jews, then you love what God loves. Right? What's the ultimate sign to somebody that you love? How can you show somebody that you love that you really love them? You love, you care about the things that they care about. Right? Uh, I was thinking about this. What's the biggest nachas? that parents can get from their children is seeing their parent is seeing their children get along with each other seeing their children look out for each other and care for each other because they love all of their children if you really want to say thank you i guess to your parents right which we could never truly thank our parents enough because we don't even remember half the things they've done more than half the things they've ever done for us what's the biggest gift you can give to your parents to love what they love and they love their children it's to look out and care for I'm the oldest, so it's easier to say for me, right? I'm not like the youngest. I'm, you know, babysit my nieces and nephews or whatever. But that's how you show your parents that you love them, is that you, you love your siblings. You show care to your family, right? That's the biggest, greatest act of love to your parents. And that's the biggest, greatest act of love that we can give Hashem. Hashem loves every single Jew, which again is... is Something that Hasidus taught us. Not just the Jews who are sitting in shul all day or praying all day. Hashem loves every single Jew. And Hasidus teaches us that, therefore, we need to love every single Jew. And that's the highest place that we can really get to when it comes to acting as a Hasidus, loving our fellow Jew. And the Alter Rebbe talks about this in his letters on Tzedakah. He has many letters that we just read in the Daily Tanya encouraging his chassidim to give charity. And one point he makes there is that Avas Yisrael, giving charity, putting yourself out there for another Jew, is the highest possible level of service of Hashem because it's the most selfless. Because when we're serving Hashem directly, we're doing his mitzvahs, we're praying, we're cultivating our own personal relationship even with Hashem, there's an element of ourself there. There's an element of my relationship with Hashem. But what happens then when somebody needs help, when a fellow Jew needs help? We put that aside. We say, I could be praying right now. I could be learning Torah right now, right? I could be doing a mitzvah. I'm putting all of that on hold, and I'm going to help a fellow Jew because God cares about his Jews. I'm doing that because God wants me to do that, not because I necessarily want to do that. I'm putting aside my own advancement in my personal relationship with Hashem to help somebody else. That's the ultimate relationship with Hashem that we can ever have. And that's one of the real truths that Hasidus came to teach us. And that's why every single morning we start our prayers off with Hareini Makabeles Alai Mitzvah I am accepting upon myself 
the positive commandment of to love your fellow as you love yourself. I don't know if the Ashkenazi sitter starts off that way. No. Does it? Yeah, I, I think so. Interesting, okay. <laughs> so, so the Nusachari starts off with Hareni Makabela Salai, and I have this sitter which I'm obsessed with, which basically is, is put, split up into five sections. I got it for Prom of Gamaga. Um, depending on how much time you have to daven, okay? It's called Tehillat Nashim, okay? And every single one, so if you have three minutes, got like a three-minute one, it's got like a five, ten, every single one of them, and it's according to the Halachot of the Rebbe, starts with Hareni Makabel. Skips most of the stuff, right? You have ten minutes, you're not going to say most of the things. Hareni Makabel is there, every single one. And I was thinking about that, wow, like I didn't realize it was so fundamental, like more important than all the Halalukas and this and the Azia Shir. And... Why is that so? Because we can't start our own personal relationship with God and our davening with Hashem, which is what davening really is, without first acknowledging and accepting upon ourselves to love our fellow Jew. And that, if anything else, is what Chassidus really taught us. And the Rabbim said that the Baal Shem Tov taught that we have to love every single Jew, even if we've never met him. To love every Jew, even if he lives across the sea. The Magid came along and said, we have to love every Jew, even if they're a Rasha, even if they're evil, even if they don't go in the ways of Hashem. We have to love every Jew. The Alter Rebbe said, we have to love every single Jew as ourself, because we all have one father. There's no difference. There's no separation. There's no distinction. And so obviously, Hasidus, there's the intellectual side of Hasidus, right? As we said, especially when it comes to the Alter Rebbe, introduced the whole intellectual aspect of learning Hasidus. But at the end of the day, what's the core? What's the foundation? It's this love, love of Torah, love of Hashem, and love of our fellow Jew. And it's brought down, I think it's a Hayyam Yom. says, they once, I think they asked the Alter Rebbe, why is it that people run towards Tyre. Jews run towards Tyre. They want to learn Tyre. They're thirsting for Tyre, but they run away from Hasidus. And this was definitely the reality from that time and today, but even today. There's this like skepticism. They run away from Hasidus. Why? The Alter Rebbe said, because Tyre is water. Tyre is described compared to water. And water is life. People are naturally drawn to life, to the source of life, to water. Hasidus is fire. So we have to chase down every single Jew and show them that the fire of Hasidus is not a fire that burns, it's a fire that warms up. So Hasidus is passion, Hasidus is love, Hasidus is fire, but we have to, whatever we know, whatever relationship with Hashem we have managed to attain for ourselves, we have to give that over to somebody else. That's what Hasidus teaches us. Your relationship is important. Take everything you know, Take your love of Hashem and pass it on. Because if you truly love Hashem, you're going to care that other people should also love Hashem. That others that should also have a personal connection and to feel Hashem in their life. And so this is really, at the end of the day, Chai Elo. And these two great lights came into the world. These lives that gave us Siddhas, that completely transformed the way we approach Torah, the way we approach our fellow Jew and the way we approach our relationship with Hashem. So that's just a few thoughts. We have a question. Sure. How how does God want us to approach loving people who would be considered Russia? 
like is it that you just love them because they're a human being and like they have God inside them or it's like I just have to act towards them with the utmost respect no matter how much I disagree with them so the altar Rebbe addresses this question in chapter Tanya chapter 32 right because the altar Rebbe starts off with every single Jew we need to love as much as we love ourselves which is a tremendous amount we love ourselves a lot then the altar Rebbe asks wait what about what about somebody who's a sinner right then the altar Rebbe says well you're a sinner too so stop judging <laughs> right that's the first thing he says well what if He's, you know that he's more of a sinner than you. You're on the same level, you're friends, and you know you've grown up in the same environment, and he is doing things that, you know, you're on the same level, which the Gemara actually says on that level, when you truly are holding in the same shoes as the other person and you see that they're straying from God, you are obligated to hate him, it says in the Gemara. The altar says, wait, what about a person like that? And the altar says, you've got to love the part of him that loves Hashem, which is deep down in his heart. You've got to love the godly soul, and hate his actions. You don't have to hate him. Despise his actions because they are against the God that you love. But him, as a person, you've got to love him. But, like, you can just say, like, oh, yeah, of course I love him. And then if he asks me for help, then I'll help him. But, but I think it's more like the way you act towards someone. That's how you're sure. Like, you've got to act towards him with it's love. Like you have to give. You've got to invite them into your home. Yeah. And you've got to love them. About like truly like evil people. Ah, so that's always the question, right? There's no true evil Jew. <laughs> truly evil people should be in well, jail. Like you just completely morally <laughs> okay. disagree with everything they do. Like, it's not like it's not like <laughs> essentially like I can't define this person as evil. Obviously, only God can. But it's like the things you have done, I could never morally agree with you in whatever situation. That's okay. You don't have to morally agree with but someone like, to care about them, to show to 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 care, right? I don't know if, I, first of all, I don't know most of your opinions on many things, but I don't know if I agree with every single person in this room, right? Well, on all of their philosophies, and I'm sure that you don't agree on all of mine, but that doesn't mean we can't come together as one, as Yidin, and learn and connect, right? Because we have common ground with every single Jew. And the altar says, why do you have common ground with every single Jew? Because we have one father. It's a very, very, very big thing to ask. <laughs> and to say that I love that or other people live that, in a way it's harder to love the people that are even closer to us, right? The Baal Shem Tov says, love the Jew who's across the sea. It's not so hard, because he's across the sea, right? <laughs> it's, more, it's harder to love the people who are right next to us, who we clash with, right? And to, to, to say that I'm at a level that is anywhere close to that, but to strive for that, that's what we're striving for. And again, because we truly don't know where somebody else is holding. And we mentioned this yesterday. We don't know where, either yesterday or this week sometime. And we don't know even where their soul is holding, right? When we're speaking about souls, we don't know the root of their soul. It could be much higher and loftier than yours, right? And so when we say chai elo, right? We, most of the chasidah shayantavs, we call them by the date that they fell out on, like yutet kislev, the 19th of kislev. But here we're not saying yud ches elo. We call it chai elo. We switch the letters around. What does Chai mean? Life. life. The life of Elo. What's the life of Elo? So it's just another little point. It's not just random that the Baal Shem Tov and the Alter Rebbe were born on Chai Elo, specifically in Elo, specifically on Yud Ches, which means life, Chai. If we look at what we've been looking at, at the Torah we've been learning about Elo, at the perspective that we've gained about Elo so far, and I know that you've been learning Elo with many different teachers, the Hasidic perspective on Elo is one of life. 
It's completely transformed. It's a completely different perspective than you're going to get without Hasidus. Without Hasidus, Elul is a time to be serious, to repent, to look back at your sins, to beat yourself up, tell yourself that you are a mess, you got to do better, so that on Rosh Hashanah you don't feel so guilty and that maybe God will forgive you and you won't go to hell for so long. That's not the way we've been speaking here, right? Why? Because we have Hasidus. And the altar of the Baal Shem Tov came and they revolutionized not only Hasidus, but Elul. Our Elul. Our Elul has life because of Hasidus. What have we been learning about Elul? Hashem loves us. That Hashem wants a relationship with us. That's specifically in Elul. Hashem is closer to us than any other time. And that Elul is not just about our sins. And that our relationship with God is not just about avoiding getting into Gehenna, right? Um, my husband just told me that. You guys have Rabbi Kaufman as a teacher, right? He told me he was once at a Fabringen a few years ago with Rabbi Kaufman. And Rabbi Kaufman was, he was explaining because he understands all these things, like how long the average soul is in Gehenna for, right? The maximum amount of time is 11 months, right? That's why we don't visit the, the grave until the yard site because in that time, maximum amount of time is 11 months, okay? By 12 months, every soul goes into Gehenna, okay? And the average time, I don't know how Rabbi Kaufman calculated this, he said it's three to four months. So he's, <laughs> my husband was like totally imitating Rabbi Kaufman, I can't do it, but like he was, he was saying, listen, we're all going to get him anyway. Okay, for those three to four months, are you going to spend your entire life worrying about those three to four months? Get over it and move on, right? Our Elul and our Tishrei and our lives and our relationship with Hashem, thanks to Chassidus, are not defined purgatory are not defined by punishment if your relationship with somebody else is defined by not getting beat up by them that is it's a it could be a relationship right maybe as a slave to the master or something like that but it's not really a relationship we need a relationship with Hashem and that's what Chassidus comes to teach us and that's what Elul and Tishrei are all about and that's what we're learning in this Mimer that Elul is about renewing that connection, that love for Hashem, that relationship with Hashem that we all have, that is innate within every single one of our souls, right? We said that, what did we say yesterday? What does it say in the Mimer? That God created the world with light and he saw that the light was good. And Rashi explains, it was good to hide. It was too good. It was so powerful that if he would shine this light openly in the world, we would lose our free choice. And God wants us to serve him from our own free will, which is why in Elul God is in the field. God doesn't come in his royal robes because he wants us to approach him from our own free will. So what did God do with that light? He put it into the heart of every single Jew. Every single one of us has that love for Hashem within ourselves. It's not this thing outside that we need to go and look for. It's, it's there and it's always been there and we need to seek it out, especially in Elul. Elul is a time where we can look back on our year, not because we're scared, that if we have over, I don't know, 10 sins, we're going somewhere bad, but because we can look back on our year and say, where did, I, where did that connection get lost? Or even look back on our lives and say, we were all born knowing Hashem. Every single human being is born knowing Hashem. And then it got lost. So what we're going to learn today is this posuk that we, that, we, that we said yesterday, that we need to seek out God from there. Hashem, your God from there. What does it mean from there? From the place that you lost him. What does it mean that we lost God? That we lost touch, the peace of God that exists within every single one of us. So we started to discuss this yesterday. Now we can go inside. I guess let's try.
transition inside now into the mimer. Before we do, any questions or comments? Sorry, I've been talking a very long time. Questions or comments? Okay. So we are on page 65 on the top right. And we said so far that there are three levels of Jews. There are the Jews who live in the city. Those are the angels, the souls, and the tzaddikim. They are called the city dwellers. They are sophisticated. They are close to the king and they know God. There are the Jews who are found in the field, who cultivate and they provide food for the city dwellers, for the angels and the souls and for the king himself. Those are what we call the benonim, those Jews who serve Hashem perfectly and whose entire life is dedicated to the service of Hashem. Not because they have special souls, but because they've actually worked on themselves constantly. And then there are those who are in the Midbar, in the desert. We said, what is a desert? It's a place, Asher, Lo Yashav Adam Sham, where man does not dwell. On the simple level, it is a place where man does not dwell because it's not a fertile place to grow things. You can't find water in the desert. It's not a habitable place for human beings. What does it mean on a deeper level, we said? Asher, Lo Yashav Adam Sham, Adam Ha'elyon. We said the supernal man. Godliness, as it invests itself into the ten spherot, is called the supernal man because it mirrors the ten spherot that we have within our soul. So it's Hashem as he expresses himself in the form of supernal man. And this level of Hashem, Adam Elyon, is not found in the desert because we said, where does Hashem rest? In a place where we make space for him, right? Asuli mikdash, make me a sanctuary, ashachanti betocham, and I will dwell within them. But every single one of us needs to make place in our life and in our heart for God, so that God can dwell there. If we don't make place, then God is not going to dwell there in a revealed way. God is everywhere. But God is not going to dwell in a revealed way, in a place when we're not making room for him. And so in the desert, the Jews in the desert, who are, as we discussed yesterday, all of us, sometimes we forget about God, and we don't make room for God, and we get caught up in our lives, and we sometimes even do things against God, which makes us lose our sensitivity for him, not even necessarily sin, sometimes we just get caught up in the physicality of the world, which every time we do that desensitizes us to the truth of God, to the truth of godliness. And so what are those people to do? What are those people who are found in the desert to do? And we said, from there, from that place of the desert, we need to seek out God. And we need to seek him out, as we said, like something that has been lost. Where do we seek him out? In our own hearts, right? Because God and our relationship with him and our love and our connection exists deep down. What's called the Ahavah Mesotert, the concealed love that exists and that is in every single one of our souls. We have to look for that. We have to reignite that spark. We have to reconnect with that part of ourselves. We have to rekindle our relationship. We have to resensitize ourselves to godliness. And we do that by seeking God out specifically Misham, from there, from the place that we lost touch with him. What is the place that we lost touch with him? The place where we strayed, where we sinned, or where we forgot that there's a God. We need to go back to that place. That's what we're going to see inside today. That's what the Altarab is going to say. How do we reconnect with this part of ourselves? By going back to the place where we lost him. And he says, if you're looking for something that you lost, right? We said, how do we need to seek him out? like something that you've lost. And we all know when you lose something precious, it's the only thing you can think about. It's like sitting on your head. I found two things this morning that I thought were lost. And I was like, oh, it's two, literally two pieces of clothes. But like, I couldn't find them for ages. I thought they'd been like gone. And then I found them and there's like, 
there's this relief. You don't even realize that there's something sitting on your head. When you lose something that belongs to you, you care to look for it. Where are you going to look for it? Are you going to go to, are you going to fly to, I don't know, San Francisco to go look for it? If you've never been to San Francisco? No, because why would it be there? We look for it in the place that we lost it. We look for it in the place where it was. And so too, when we look for that connection that has always existed between us and Hashem, we need to go to the place where it was lost. We need to go back to those places. We need to look back on our year, look back on our life and say, where did we lose touch? We need to go back there. And then we need to commit that things are going to change. And then we're going to find God. So let's look at that inside, okay? We finished off again, page 65 on the right-hand side in the English. Uh, does anyone want to tell us what we're holding in the English for those who are following there? Oh, Vahine. Okay, so again, there's no pages in the English. So if we're going to count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, the bottom of page eight in the English, which says Vahine. And the verse states, and you shall seek from there. Right? The search must begin from there. It is only possible to search for and find a lost object in the place where it is lost. Okay? So that's what I have to up to in English. And again, it's not an exact translation, unfortunately. It's pretty close. And in the Hebrew, for those who are following along, we're going to be reading inside from the Hebrew. We're on page 65 on the top. And this is after this mimer. All the other mimers for the rest of the year have English next to it. So that's very exciting. But I couldn't find it for this one with English next to it. Okay. Finished off with Vizeu. Chapter, uh, paragraph number three on the top of page 65, and this is what we mean when we say until now we, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Paragraph above that. You guys see it? 65 on top? And there are those who are whose spark of godliness in, is in a state of being lost by him. It's an exile. And this is what the verse from the Torah from the Eschanan says, that you need to seek out, actively to seek. That you should seek, but you should look for, you should search. And we only search for that which was lost. Which means something that he personally lost. Again, he said there's lots of lost things in the world. Right? Isn't like Dora the Explorer once goes to the place where all the lost things are, right? What's it called? Like lost treasure town or something. Where everyone's lost things are. But at the end of the day, what do you care about? The thing that you personally lost. Bebchinat galut, which is in exile. It's the spark of godliness that we mentioned above. That's in every single one of our souls. That's why it says we should seek out Havaya Elokecha, Hashem your God. Shehu nimshach bechinat kel was drawn down in this level called Kel, the name of Hashem represented by Kel, Hashora Bakol Adam, which rests in every person, to give life to his godly soul. That is what we're seeking out. That is what we're looking for. We need to, first of all, gather up the care enough to say, it feels lost for me, right? Because we don't look for things that don't feel personally lost. And then we need to actually go and seek it out. 
where do we seek it out? And the Pasuk says, Misham, that you need to seek God out from there, Misham Daika, specifically from there. Just as it is impossible to search for something that's been lost and to find it in a place where it was not lost, right? So to a person will never be able to grasp the light of the face of Hashem and to, that there should be love, he should rekindle this love to Hashem and have awe for his face, for his countenance rather only if he searches first in the place that it was lost to him. So this love and awe of Hashem and this relationship and attachment and yearning for Hashem exists in every single one of our souls and we need to go and look for it in the place where that connection got lost. According to what it's written, that we will search in our ways. So where are we looking? We're looking in our ways. We're looking in our past and in our, in our thought, our speech, our action. That he should, that he should look through the ma'asav, his actions, the diborav, his speech, and his thoughts, that have passed from the day that he existed. This is a big, this is a big, a man of thought, speech, and action, we need to look through a lot of it, which we're not good. We need to look back on our life, and obviously we're not going to remember everything from the day we're born. That is a fact. But look back and see where did that connection get lost? Where did that sensitivity to godliness disappear? We have to look back there in Elo to be able to find the true love that's buried within us. This is what it means when we say that you should seek Hashem out from there. Because when we say zeh, when we say this here, we're talking about something that we can literally point with our finger. So when we say zeh, this, it means it's something right in front of us, tangible that we can point to and that we can see. Something we can say about it, this is it. The Eev Shalomarkach, and the only true thing we can say this about, the only true thing that we can really point to is Hashem. Raka Kodesh Brachu. Hashem is the only truth that exists here. So when we say Zeh, this, here, we're talking about Hashem. When we say Sham, there, we speak about all the things that disconnected us from the truth of having Hashem here. Okay. As it's written, Zeh Keili Yanbeo, that this is my God. And I think it means, and I will praise him. This is from the Az Yashir. Because God fills, his glory fills the whole world. So when we say here, we mean God. When we say there, we mean anything that distracts us or separates us from God. But the place of the klipa, which is those things that conceal godliness, are called by the name of there, which means very deep down. So when we say that you need to seek out Hashem from there, we mean from the place where we lost touch, from the place where we disconnected. And practically, I'll finish off with this for now, the next few paragraphs we're actually going to skip. It's the Altar Prayer will be bringing 
quotes from all over the Torah showing how Sham represents the place of Klippa, how the term Sham there represents things that are far away, that separate, that cover over godliness. So we'll, we'll finish inside for today. We're going to skip those and we're going to continue um, um, from the top of page 65. But I just want to go back to what I've said before about the different levels of Teshuva that we started to speak about, right? So here we're saying you want to rekindle that connection. Look where the connection got lost. Not necessarily in sin, but in the desensitization of godliness. Look back to that place. And then from there, we're going to see the Alter Rebbe has advice what to do once you get there. Okay, now, now I'm here. Flip. What am I supposed to do now? I figured out where I, got, where I lost touch. And the Alter Rebbe is going to tell us, we're going to see this tomorrow, that we need to awaken a tremendous amount of mercy on our soul, that it lost touch, that it's been covered over, that it's true desires have been covered over for so long. And when we truly arouse that desire, sorry, that rachamim, that mercy, we will awaken the yud gimel midot rachamim of Hashem and we'll be able to connect. So that's what we'll discuss tomorrow. But just going back to the different aspects of teshuva. Here we're speaking about the lower teshuva, right? As we said, going back to the place, so to speak, of sin, or not necessarily to the action of sin, but the result of sin of that lack of care, that losing touch with the truth and that lack of passion, the places where that passion and that excitement, which is innate within us, got lost. Um, but Tikva, you asked a question yesterday about isn't this the, what's the difference between this and the higher love? And so I was looking at, uh, at it a little bit more, that the, the Rebbe really emphasized that our Teshuvah today needs to be with joy, right? And what does it mean to have Teshuvah with joy? How can you return to Hashem, which means by returning, you're automatically acknowledging that you've been far through simcha, in a way of joy. How does the two work? And m- most people explain, what, is, what does the Rebbe mean? That we need to be joyous from the fact that we can do teshuvah. The fact that God created this wondrous possibility that you can go so far away and you can always, always, always come back, no matter where you've gone to. You can always reconnect to Hashem, which is not the case all the time with people, right? Even with people you love. There's certain things that if you do to another person, there's no going back. That's just how it is. Um, what that is for every person is a different story. When it comes to Hashem, there's no such thing. There's no such thing. And we have to be joyous about that. So joyous and glad and approaching Teshuvah from a place of happiness because Hashem has given us this tremendous, tremendous gift called Teshuvah. So the, the Rebbe says that our service today of Hashem and specifically our Teshuvah needs to be infused with joy. In the later years of the Rebbe's discussing Teshuvah, the Rebbe changed his, his uh, tactic of kind of mixing the two saying, Return to Hashem, you know, look at your ways, return, but from a place of joy, and the Rebbe says, only positive, only positive, only positives. We should only focus on the positive. Don't get stuck in the past, look forward. Look forward, do something for your fellow Jew, go out there, learn some Torah, do mitzvahs, and that's you coming back. That's your Teshuvah, and do it from a place of joy. So I just want to add that in, because again, we're in this generation, just so that we don't get too... I'll finish with a story. Have you guys heard of Reuven Dunin? He was a chassid of the Rebbe. He grew up in a religious home. I think in a Hasidic home, I'm pretty sure. And when he was a teenager, he left. He left Judaism. He moved to Israel and became one of the pioneers of like, what were they called? Uh, the settlers? Um, 
one of the real like settlers of Eretz Yisrael, because Eretz Yisrael was in those days really needed to be built up. And he used to go around on a tractor and work the land the whole day, and then at night he would like party. He was a really really strong guy. Party all night, go back the next day, until he ended up going, meeting a mashpia and going to yeshiva and coming, coming back, coming back, and his mashpia in Israel, I think it was in learning in Lud, wouldn't let him go to Thurba for a while, I think for like a, a year or so. So you're not ready yet, you're not ready yet, you're not ready yet. But finally he let him go to the Rebbe. And Reuven Dunnan, he, he was a young man, went to the Rebbe and he told the Rebbe everything. Like everything he'd done, everywhere he'd been. And he said, Rebbe, give me something to do that I could do to sugar. And he had been like crying every single night. He would say, Kriyachma, people would describe like sobbing, like really... He said, give me a tikkun shuvah. Tell me what I can do to do teshuvah before what I've done. And the Rebbe said, put teshuvah aside. He said, do you drive a tractor? And he was shocked because he associated driving a tractor with his days where he was the anti-religious, you know, settler of Israel. He said, I know how to drive a tractor. He said, I want you to start driving your tractor again and going out and... And, and continue, live the life as a chassid, but live out there. And he ended up, he lived, where did he live? Beitar? I don't remember exactly where he lived in Israel. He always drove his tractor and he drew, drew many, many, many Jews who were what's called anti-religious from that area, close to Judaism, because he was very relatable. The Rebbe said, your time for Teshuvah will come. Right now you need to focus on the positive, you need to focus forward. And then about 20 years Later, Ruben Dunin heard a, uh, a sikha of the Rebbe where the Rebbe discusses Teshuvah, a fascinating sikha actually on Yom Kippur that maybe we'll learn a little bit about, a little bit of. And he took that as a personal like thing that, okay, now like, you know, he's, he's done Teshuvah. The Rebbe told him, stop crying, start doing, stop crying. And that really, really was the Rebbe's approach. So to have this in mind, there are different levels of Teshuvah. The basic one is Lev Nishbar Vinitka. How do we repent for sins? by having a broken heart, and in that place of the broken heart, we fill up the cracks with our tears, so to speak. And then there's the idea of rekindling that connection, that sensitivity that was lost. And then there's really just, I care about Hashem, and I'm gonna do His Torah and Mitzvahs, and moving forward, and doing it from a place of simple. So just to keep that in mind again, we're learning the Altar of East Torah, and this is very important, but when it comes to practically our generation, we don't do Teshuvah through tears. We don't do Teshuvah through tears. Um, we do Teshuvah through Simcha, through joy. Through joy from the opportunity that we are able to reconnect to Hashem no matter where we are, no matter where we've been, and that we have the opportunity to have a personal relationship with Hashem. And this Chayel, I want us all to really walk away with that. That, that tremendous gift that we got from the Baal Shem Tov and the Alter Rebbe, that is every single Jew can must and is able to have his own unique personal relationship with Hashem and then to be able to pass that on as well not only to keep it for himself but to pass it on any questions or comments? I just want to add to what you were saying about the joy that we had a chance to do that um, I was just I was learning about it last night that the fact that we have the opportunity to do Shuvah is also us being able to fulfill our purpose. Because as Benjamin, that fight is always is what we're here to do. So that fight to conquer that, to fix what we did wrong, and to start doing the right thing, and to start following Hashem's ways, 
that's exactly what we're here to do. So that's that's us fulfilling our mission. It's also something to destroy. Wow, wow, I love that. Yeah, they say the Balta Shiva is running away from his sin. His sin is like chasing him. And so he's running. When you're running away from fire, as opposed to, let's say, there's two people. One person, his house is on fire, God forbid, he's running away from the fire, chasing him. And one person, there's a million dollars at the end of the mile. At the end of the, you know, who's going to run faster? The person running away from the fire is going to run faster, right? And that's a vulture, but he's running away. So actually, the fact that he's gone far away is the motivating passion that's leading him towards Hashem in a way he could never have connected to Hashem if he was just running towards the million dollars, if he had never strayed in the first place like that tzaddik. And as you said, that is what characterizes our entire life and our existence, is the struggle, right? It is the struggle. I love that. Beautiful. Okay. Continue to, today's, today's Wednesday. That's crazy. That was a quick week. We'll continue tomorrow. Um, I will, will we finish chapter three tomorrow? No. <laughs> but we will continue chapter three tomorrow. Okay, so I'll see you all tomorrow. Thank you. Enjoy your for bringing it tonight with your...